of projects that are uh, just coming uh, to fruition. Uh, we've heard about a ministry today that we've, we've launched a month ago, and we're very grateful you saw the, the photos of the kids that are connecting with that. There's, uh, we hope that Woolworths, the project, we must stop calling it Woolworths because it's not called Woolworths. It's going to be called The Project. The, the project uh, will be open um, in September time, which is great news, isn't it? You know, and that, that, that whole area, is we, we believe we're going to be a help to transform that uh, bottom end of, of Bath Street uh, with others. And, uh, you know, we continue to look at what we're doing with the Mansfield building. And uh, there's plans afoot with regards to the upper floors and just working that through. We continue to work through the building that we inherited in Mansfield and what we do with that. And the potential of even buying further land uh, around that project as well. There's lots of things that are happening. Lots of ministries that are launching, small groups that are arising. We're grateful for all those things. How many people that went through growth track, by the way... um, our growth track, um, which really, if you're new in church or you have never been through growth track or you're a new Christian, we'd encourage you, September the 18th, get it in your diary, four consecutive Sundays straight after church, we'll be running our growth track, which will help you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and then go and make a difference. And all these things that are happening, we're very grateful for Mansfield and the launch of Universal Youth there. And uh, there's, you know, yeah, there's some of you getting a bit excited about that. There's, you know, a dozen young people that are just gathering there on a Friday night. And there's a, there's a team that's gone over there, which has left a little hole here. But they've been having superb nights here as well on Friday nights. And there's lots of things happening around the life of the church. Do you know that? Just nudge your neighbor and he's saying, I think he's trying to tell us there's a lot of happening around the life of Arena. And I say all this because God is at work amongst us. Do you know that? God is at work amongst us. And we thank God for all that he's doing. Like Andy said, in the midst of storms, in the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties, in the midst of bad news, we have good news in Jesus' name. And it's not triumphalistic. It's just we have a hope that is certain and sure. His name is Jesus. Anybody know who I'm talking about this morning? He is sure and certain. He's our foundation. He's our rock. He's the one we're building our lives upon. And uh, I'm very grateful for all that he's doing here in Arena Church. You know, one of the things that, I'm not even on the clock yet, Julie, so I'm, I'm just having a few minutes. I've not had a chance for a few weeks around here. But you know, one thing I'm really grateful is that I'm seeing people flourishing. I'm seeing people flourishing. I'm seeing people who, you know, would normally be shy and a little bit reserved or, or a bit unsure about who they are and what they're about. And I'm seeing people grow, of all ages, growing. There's nothing that gives my heart greater pleasure than seeing people grow, than seeing people grow up, than seeing people mature, than seeing people prosper and become all that they should be. It's like that flower that's just there and it's held tight and it looks okay, but as soon as it starts to open up, it looks beautiful. And some of you are seriously looking very beautiful at this particular moment. And we just want to be a church that just builds that into the lives of people in Jesus' name. Amen? Do you receive that? And that's exactly what we want to see through all the generations, through all the age groups. We want to see God prosper and bless people's lives. It's my joy, as I said, to open up the Bible. And uh, I'm really excited about this series because we're talking about specifically about confessions. 
I want to let you into a little bit of a secret this morning. It's something that I just pour over my life regular. I speak to myself. Don't say that I'm getting weird. I, sp- I have to speak to my soul. I have to speak to my heart. By the way, I am naturally the glass is half full kind of guy. So I don't suffer with, you know, low days. We all have them, but I'm not by temperament and personality low. Some of you are. And let me tell you, if you are, you are really going to need to hear this word. This word is specifically for you, but it's for everybody. Because for, for those who are, the glass is half empty. You know, oftentimes... You can speak yourself into defeat. You can speak yourself into kind of, you know, negative thinking. And you can speak yourself into that things are bad and things are getting worse. And what I'm not talking about is just, you know, this stupid, we heard it last week, kind of confessions. We can just confess anything that's going to just appear. That isn't what we're talking about. But he talks about Jesus. He had a good confession. We're talking about having a good confession. And so my... You know, temperament is one where, you know, I'm quite upbeat, quite positive, but I have to speak to myself, Hank. Some, some days I have to speak to my heart. I have to speak to my heart and say, you know what, Christian, this is going to be a good day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in it. They're the kind of confessions when I'm facing a difficult thing. God, you didn't just promise to be with me. You promised to go before me. Thank you that you are going before me. When I'm facing enemies, there's no enemies of mine here today. I'm thankful for that. But there are some people who don't like me. When I'm walking into the lion's den, when I'm walking into enemies, you said that you would thwart my enemies. You, you said, Lord, that you'd break their teeth. There's a great confession. You'd sort them out in Jesus' name. That's my confession. And so when I think about this message today, I was really challenged because there are many confessions of God's word, and that's what I'm talking about, God's word, that I speak over my heart, that I speak over my soul, that I speak over my wife, that I speak over my kids, that I speak over this church. You need to know I speak over you virtually every day. I'd, I, I'd have to be careful saying every day. But I think, I think it would be pretty much a speaking blessing over, you, over, your, over your lives, over your families. So when I was thinking about confessions, where do I go with it? And immediately I went to this verse. So if you'd like to turn your Bibles to Philippians in chapter 4, we're going to read three, four verses together. But I just want to pray because I don't want this to just be a message. I really believe there are some people, you're going to get get freed up by hearing this message. It's going to help you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to put a resolve in your heart. And at the end of our time together, I'm going to give opportunity for people to just, not out the front, but just stand to their feet as I just pray corporately over needs today. So Father... We don't want just another message. We've heard thousands of them. We want to hear your word to our heart. And I just pray, God, that you would anoint these lips, that you would anoint my life. And Lord, those things that you want these precious people to hear this morning, that Lord, you'd stir me, you'd direct me, and that they would hear your word. And those things, those thoughts that are mine, I'd just forget And there'd be nothing. So speak to your people. Speak to everybody today. Whether they're a Christian or not. In Jesus' name. Amen. So let's read it together, shall we? It's going to be on the screens. 
Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 10 through to 13. If we can get that up, that would be great. Otherwise, I'll turn in my Bible. There we go. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. Just underline that in your mind, content. We'll come back to that in a moment. Verse 12. I know how to be abased. It's an old, this is from the New King James Version. Abased means lowly. I know what it is to be lowly. And I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just keep that on for the moment, media team. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I wonder if we can just for a moment just read those verses as they are after three. All out loud. I don't want you going quiet on me now. I don't want anybody going quiet. This is a noisy time with me, okay? You know, you have in school times, you have quiet times and noisy times. I'm the noisy time kind of person, okay? So after three, one, two, three. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nudge your neighbor next to you and just say it to them. I can do, you can do. The goal of this morning... The goal of this morning is that you know these 10 words. They're just 10 words. Some of you know this verse really well. Some of you, it's the first time you've heard it. Some of you, not so well. The goal of it is that you will remember these words. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the goal. I want you to take this away. If you've got a pen and paper, if you're on a smartphone, if you're on an iPhone, just write it down. Philippians 4 verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, this is my confession. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, I just want to bring some balance to this. Because there's two ways that we can look at this message this morning. There's one that we can look at which is very triumphalistic or in triumph. And there's another side to it is in the present day realities. So I want to just address both of them before we really dig in, if I may. Let me just refer to my notes because there's some specific points that I want to say to that. There are times when we can be living in incredible triumph. This is a verse that I would use when I'm encouraging my heart in new ventures. When I'm thinking about taking new ground in Jesus' name. This is a verse that people have used to encourage them in terms of them going and doing and reaching and achieving and aspiring. They've used this verse to travel, to build, to establish, to accumulate. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me. Some of you need to go and take some risks around the room. Some of you need to go and aspire. Some of you have been living in comfort. You need to step out and do something crazy in Jesus' name. I'm not talking about too crazy or wild. I'm not talking about anything immoral or sinful. I'm just talking about just, you know, not allow the constraints of where you are. Just stop you from achieving and going. I can do all things 
through Christ who strengthens me. So there is a triumph, and that is what I use it for myself, but there's also a balance to this verse because we also have to address the present day realities. What are you meaning by the present day realities, Christian? Well, what about if you are confessing this verse in the midst of trouble and shame and difficulties, like Paul was when he wrote this verse? If you want to get a little bit of background verse to it, that Paul was writing these verses to the church at uh, Philippi, and um, we notice in verse 1, we won't go there, but he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints, that's who he's writing it to, he's greeting them. But then we look at verse 12 of Philippians 1, and it says this, but I want you to know, brothers, that the things which happened to me I've actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. What is he talking about? What? These things that have happened to me. Verse 13. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. He's writing this from prison. Where's the triumph in that? He was writing these verses. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. While he's in chains. While he's in prison. So Paul wasn't just looking at this verse from triumph. He was also writing these words from the present day reality. And today you may be in triumph. But I guess there's some of you who feel like you're in chains. And these verses apply for both. There's an application for both. I can do all things, not just in the aspirational moments but also in the perspirational moments. I can do all things through Christ in the aspirational moments, but I can also do all things through Christ in the oh, perspirational, sweaty moments of life. Can I ask you a question here today? Has anybody ever felt overwhelmed? Just give me a raise of the hand if you've ever felt overwhelmed. Oh, my goodness. There's been many occasions when I felt severely overwhelmed. Severely overwhelmed. I I was thinking back to the time when I felt very overwhelmed when I said that I would help my parents out by painting. I don't know how how old I was, probably 11 or 12. And I said I'd do some emulsioning. And my mom and dad are very good decorators. They were at that time. And but anyway, they let me do it. And, but I remember even before I got started, I hadn't put the, the tub of, 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 of emulsion paint on the table correctly. My mum and dad had a very nice carpet in their room. You know what's coming. I tripped. The paint went all over the floor. White paint or magnolia paint or whatever it was all over the floor. I felt utterly overwhelmed. Because I thought, I am seriously going to be in massive trouble at this moment. I don't know whether my parents can remember it, but I, I, I seriously remember doing it. I was then thinking back to a time in my, in my, probably I was around 15, when I severely felt overwhelmed. Very overwhelmed. I want to just show you a photo, hopefully it will come on, on the screen, of some notes. There's just, I don't know whether you'll be able to decipher it, but hopefully it will come on. There are some notes that are on there. In fact, I've got the set of notes here. There it is. There's the notes. They're my notes. 
That's the first message I ever preached. I was 15. And I was talking about how to obtain the victory. What did I know, Roy, at 15, how to obtain the victory? But I, anyway, it was, I, I remember studying it and working it through. I was 15. The only time I'd ever um, stood on a platform church-wise was giving me testimony. I hadn't done that much. What was the pastor thinking about? Asking a 15-year-old kid who was still, you know, a little bit wayward in some areas, but had a love for God as well. What was he thinking? Asking this kid to preach like I'm doing now. But he did. I mean, the most bizarre thing is when he asked me, I said, then said, yes. Which is weird. I mean, he obviously saw something in me. Even at that age, saw something there, of just a seed. I remember, I'd never preached a message before. Who do I go to to ask? I don't know. I'd heard plenty of them and plenty of boring messages as well. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Hey, what are you all looking at me like that for now? Hey? That's not nice. You shut up, Alan, okay? In, in Jesus' name, okay? No, I'm, he's a good friend of mine, is Alan. So I, you know, did this message. What the point is, I was overwhelmed. I felt utterly overwhelmed. I remember standing there. I can remember it like it was yesterday. My mum was in the, was certainly in the church, and I remember she telling me afterwards. I'm glad she didn't do it before. She literally thought she was going to have to get up, walk to the front, put her arm around me, and walk away because my voice was so cracking. I mean, I just thought I was going to burst into tears. And you can tell I'm not that kind of, I was just so nervous. I was so worked up. I, I just, I just, you know, all these eyes are like you guys, you're all glaring at me. You know, you can't read people's, you know, and, and it wasn't a size of church like this, but how, I was nervous. I was under the cost, Jeff. I didn't, know, I didn't know what I was doing, really. But I got through it. I think I probably dried up after 10 minutes. But I got a standing ovation. I must go back to those days because I'll never get one now. <laughs> I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can't say that verse was on me, but I just know it to be true now. That's what got me through. Christ in me got me through. I didn't think I was going to get through, but I got through because Christ... Is in me and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The pain, the suffering, the challenges that you're feeling is way more than just standing here and delivering a message. I don't want to be crass or just undermined. Some of you got massive health issues. Some of you are dealing with sons and daughters and mums and dads and all the rest of it that's just very challenging. Some of you have had to navigate the pain of divorce and separation. But listen, the, the same principle applies whether it's a man who's a little boy, not a man, a little boy who's preaching a message or whether you're crisis moment. The Bible remains the same. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you hearing it? I'm going to keep repeating it because I want you to get it. So whether we're in triumph or whether in present day realities, this verse is for all of us. But just in the moments that I have, I just want to just lay into two particular areas of confession that I think are going to be so important. 
as we take this verse and as we just really work through what Paul is actually saying to the church at Philippi. Because the first thing I want to say is this, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, or as one version puts it, I have strength for all things. I have strength for all things, number one, in the area of trials. Everybody say trials. Listen to me, you will face trials. You will face trials. That is why those preachers who stand up and say, come to Jesus and all your lives will turn around all right and you'll be blessed and send a hundred dollars and God will multiply it to a thousand and if you want to confess a Rolls Royce, you'll get a confession. I want to say that's nonsense. It's not present day reality. I'm sorry, it's not present day reality. This life is filled with many troubles. Jesus says, they're going to have many troubles, but don't worry, I've overcome the world. You will have trials, you will have difficulties. Some of you may have married it. (laughs) Trials and difficulties. You may have given birth to it. But you will face trials and difficulties. Let's look at verse 12 again, can we? From Philippians in chapter 4 and verse 12, because I just want to underscore this. Paul says, I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. This word abased, as I said, means I know what it is to be made low. I know what it is to be humbled. I know what it is to take the rank that I was at and have it snatched away from me. That's what it's meaning. I know what it is to be brought so low that I feel like I'm just down there somewhere. Paul says, I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. But the issue with Paul or the encouragement from Paul or the thing we can learn from Paul is Paul was dead to this world. And the problem is, if I can say church, those who are Christians, we're not dead to this world. But Paul is dead to this world. Paul's anchor wasn't what he had. It wasn't the title that he had. Paul's anchor was his faith in Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? That's what he was anchored to. Paul had learned to be independent of this world. The the, the sense in which of these verses, verse 11 and 12 is written, is he was talking about his self-sufficiency. He learned to be self-sufficient. Now actually he wasn't because verse 13 tells us where his true sufficiency came from. But what he was saying is, I don't need to be, I'm, not, I'm independent of the stuff around that you are so interested in. Those things are irrelevant to me. I'm separate from them. I'm, in, I'm independent of those things. I know what it is to be low. I know what it is to face trials. You can do all things through Christ in the trial. And when I think about trials, I think about those most famous words in James in chapter 1. Let's turn, with it, turn to them, shall we? James in chapter 1 and, and verse 2 through to 3. These remarkable words where he says there, My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Let's just stop there for a moment. Anybody in for this? Let's be honest now. Anybody in for this? Count it all joy. I mean, are they, were they doing drugs when they wrote this? With a high? 
Had they had a few two bevies and you know what? No. Well, so how can you count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds? Well, we'll come to it in a moment. But this is what God is communicating to the church. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Let's move to the next verse. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Do we have verse 4 there or not? If not, I'll just read it. Verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let me just give you some context to that. When he uses the word perfect, he's not talking about actually being perfect. He's talking about the word mature. That you may become mature. So let's go back. He says this. Consider it joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and let patience have its perfect work, that you may become mature, growing up. Aha! So trials can actually be used for our benefit. The reason why I'm saying this is because I don't know about you, but most of us run from trials. Hello? We run from trials because we're told that we're meant to be living in this bubble, this nice, perfect world. That we never have any difficulties, any trials. It's a load of rubbish. God uses trials to perfect us. God uses trials to mature us. God uses trials and tests to change us on the inside. Can I hear an amen from anybody? But we don't like that. So we think everything has to go up and up and up. And God is saying, actually, sometimes I need to take you down and down and down. Don't be blaming the enemy for everything. Because God often uses things because he wants to get in our hearts and change us. He wants to get in our minds and develop us. And we say, oh no, that trial, get ye behind me, Satan. And God's saying, why why, why are you saying that? This is my work in you. The biggest growing that I've ever done has never been in success. The greatest growing that I've ever done has never been in victory. The greatest growing has come through trials and pain and difficulties. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And oftentimes we're looking for happiness rather than joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Happiness is based upon I have money in the bank and I can go and blow it. Happiness is that everything's, you know, I've got my holiday booked. Happiness is I've got the new car. Happiness is we're able to sort the new kitchen at home. And I'm not knocking any of those things. But the world, and if we're not careful, the church can easily slip into the trap that those things make us happy. Who, t- who told you the lie that Jesus came to make you happy? He came to grow you, grow you and mature you. And people are searching for happiness when what we should be searching for is joy. Happiness is circumstantial. Joy is a spiritual quality. Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. It's a spiritual quality.
quality. And it is not dependent upon our circumstances. And that is why Paul was able to say, whatever I find myself in, I still have joy in Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And if I can say this message is a confession, but it's also to try and mature you this morning, because some of you are running after things that are going to make you happy, and what God's trying to do is develop joy in you. Have you got it? Some of you have. This is what Kay Warren says this, joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. What are you facing today that is painful, a trial? Consider it joy. Because these things, God is using. Sometimes the enemy does come and bring things to us and he doesn't send everything to us. Please don't misunderstand me there. I don't believe God puts sickness on people. I don't believe God, put, uh, God puts cancer on people. I don't think God puts divorce on people and separation on people. I don't. But some of those things are allowed to bring a maturity and a development in our hearts. Consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. Why? Because it will bring perfection, maturity to your life. And knowing that in the midst of those things, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. The second thing, very quickly, is this. Not just trials, but I have strength for all things in the area of contentment. I don't want to bring any embarrassment to this particular person, but I was talking with somebody recently who's now part of this church, a new Christian, come from a completely non-church background to here. I was impacted by something that he said with regards to possessions and money. Because he says, I'm surprised. I saw it in the world, but I can see a lot of people in church that those things matter to them. Stuff matters. And I was challenged. Because actually stuff shouldn't matter to us. The only thing that should matter is Jesus. And Paul had learned the secret of not just working through trials, but also in the areas of contentment. Let's look at verse 11 of Philippians in chapter 4. He says this, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. Just look at your neighbor next to you and say, are you content? I've already disclosed quite a bit of information about me. And for those who know me, you know that I'm an aspirational personality kind of type. So that's who I am. I'm just pretty much out there and, and whatever. And I was very grateful for the, for the upbringing that I've had. Because one thing that I can't be doing is with bad manners. Listen, if you get a serve this morning and somebody serves you a nice cup of tea or a nice cup of coffee or a biscuit or whatever, please say thank you. I'm surprised how few people say thank you. I listen, I watch, I observe. I was brought up to say thank you. And I was brought up to say thank you even if it wasn't that great. Can we have a principle in Arena Church that we say please and thank you? And everybody said? But what I realized was this. I learned to say thank you, but I wasn't always grateful. 
I learned to say thank you, but I wasn't always grateful. So I could receive something and I'd say thank you, but internally I'm thinking, well, there should have been a bit more meat on that plate. I'm challenged by these things. Whether it's the Lord doing a deeper work in me, I don't know. Because it can be hard for those aspirational types because you're always reaching for more, pressing into more, and yet sometimes with the pressing into more, you don't become grateful for what you already have. So let's look at it again. Lucy, why do you keep taking this verse off the screen? I have learned... In whatever state I am, to be content. Whatever I find myself, wherever I find myself, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be grateful. I don't just say thank you. There's a gratefulness that exudes from my heart. In the midst of trouble, in the midst of trials, in the midst of chains, in the midst of prison, I have learned to be content. Listen to me, if you do not learn this area of contentment, you will live your life, live your life forever, turned up, stirred up, being full of jealousy. (laughs) Because somebody will always have something that you want. And we may as well learn it the right way or we'll learn it the hard way. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 32, and I am drawing this to a close. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 32. Oh, here we are. For the pagans, the Gentiles, the unchurched, run after all these things. What are those things that he's talking about? And your heart, Heavenly Father, knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus, this is Jesus speaking. He's talking about a group of people that are worrying about what they're going to wear, what they're going to eat, where they're going to live, where they're going to sleep. And he says, the pagans run after all these things. Why are you worrying about these things? I know that you need them. But the thing that you need to be running after is seek first. Seek me first. Remember that, that series that we did, God first? Putting God first. As we put God first... Amazing things begin to happen. And Paul understood this in the midst of having nothing. When he had much, when he had little, whether he was full, whether he was hungry, whether he was abounding or whether he was suffering need, he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whether I'm in trials or whether I'm in having to deal with contentment, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. I hear preachers say I'm preaching better than you're responding, but I feel like that this morning. <laughs> it's a word we need to get in our hearts. The stuff just gets around us. We become tangled by this stuff. This is my confession. I'm finishing with one photo. Let's put a photo of some basketball boots upon the thing. You might not be able to see it, but this, these are, they're a bit battered now. I'm incredibly proud, as you should be, of your kids and your grandkids. And I don't pull back from that in terms of church. I'm always careful the illustrations that I use. So I don't always want it to be about my kids, but 
you know, in this particular instance, I thought, no, I'm going to, I'm going to say something. And as you know, Isaac, he loves playing basketball. Thank you to some of you guys who have really encouraged him in that. Some of you older guys love play, play, playing ball with you and just terrific. And these are some shoes. There's a story about this. He was longing for this pair of shoes when we were out in the States last year. They're very expensive basketball shoes, the proper ones, very expensive. And he'd already had a pair about six, seven months earlier, and as long as his heart was to have another parent, and his mom said, I mean, if it's down to me, I'm just, okay, son, you know. <laughs> they know how to work me, but Caroline's a little bit more, you know, resolute. And she says, no, you're not having a pair. You know, you've not got an, enough money for you. We give them the money. And Well, anyway, we walked into this sports shop. I forget the absolute figures, but I think there should have been something like 90 quid, and then $90, and then they reduced down to $70. But then... Sorry, they should have been $70, but then when we looked at the tab, they'd put it $29.99. So he comes to me, Dad, Dad, look at these, look at these. And I'm like, mate, well, where's your mum? You know, and, let's try them on. Oh, the fit, right, leave me with me. She's not here, so I can talk like this. Sweetheart, you look lovely today, you do, sweetheart. It wasn't quite that bad. This is the bargain. This, this is how he sold it to his mom. It's a bargain, mom. Look at them. The, the, well, it's had like 20 quid. Well, you pay 70, 90 pounds in England for those. So anyway, we bought them. And it's Under Armour, the brand. I'm going somewhere with this story, by the way. His favorite player is Stephen Curry. Don't mean nothing to most of you. Wonderful example of a Christian life, a Christian family. The wonderful Christian Stephen Curry. He's a top player in the NBA at the moment. And on the side of his shoes, Stephen Curry's verse is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he writes them on his shoes as a reminder when he puts the shoes on. Our Isaac had knew this two years before, so he's now got the proper Stephen Curry shoes and he'd done it on his other boots. And he said, Dad, come on, you've got a neat writing. Will you write it on? But what? And I remember the conversation, why do you want me to write? Because it reminds me, Dad, when I go on the court, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is it, he's an 11-year-old. He's an 11-year-old. But this is what his confession is. You may say, well, he's a little 11-year-old and he's playing a little game. Well, come and see him. Those who have played basketball, he's been hit, he's been pushed, he's been set on on the court, a lad... You know, wanted to take him out. I mean, his mum would just up. She were ready to hold her back. Just leave him. I said, just let him sort it. Where's she's going out? You know. Because he's playing against lads who are much bigger, much older. He's playing against 14, 16-year-olds. And they're just six foot five and bashing him around and whatever. It's a reminder to him. Whether he's bashed, whether he's pushed, whether he's hit, whether he's smacked, I can do all things. Through Christ, who strengthens me. Do you feel like you're bashed? Do you feel like you're in pain? Do you feel like there's trials? Do you feel like your contentment levels need to rise? Are you in sickness this morning? Do you feel like you have very little? Does the future look uncertain? Remember, I can do all things through Christ. Who strengthens me? Let's bow our heads, shall we?